First Lady, First Family, uh, Brother Stenis, uh, Bishop Buller, uh, First Lady uh, Buller, and, and all that are in the House of God tonight. Um, I appreciate it, and I, I consider this an honor uh, to share this with you. I am so glad that it is Wednesday night and not Sunday morning. All right. Um, because, you know, you can really be yourself when you're teaching. Sunday morning, you almost feel like you got to compete or perform. For, for some of us, it's not up here a whole lot, you know. Uh, so I don't feel necessarily to compete. I don't feel to perform. We're going to teach tonight. Amen. I'm going to be myself uh, as much as I can possibly be. Uh, if you clap loud, I'll, I'll teach louder. It may end up preaching. If you amen, if you say, let's go, brother, we're going to go. We're going to go. Amen. So uh, let's stand and let's just go before the Lord in prayer. And then we're going to read the scripture. And then we're going to have a nice Bible study tonight. Um, yes, we are. Father, we thank you tonight. Lift your voices with me. Pray with me. Father, we believe you tonight for the outpouring of your spirit. We thank you, Lord God. For bringing us together, we thank you, Father, for allowing us, Father, even right now to feel your presence. We thank you right now, Father, for allowing us, Father, to be a part, Father, of such a great move of God in this day and age, Father. We thank you, Lord God, for God blessing us, Father, with a man of God, Father, like Pastor Urson and First Lady Urson and their family. We thank you, Lord God, for giving us, Lord God, your very best, Lord God, in them. God, as they minister the word of life to us and prepare us for your presence, for your return. We thank you, Lord God, for such a truthful man of God. And, Father, the understanding that we are receiving from your word. And, Father, we ask tonight, Father, that your hand would be upon our lives, that you would anoint us. Enable, Lord God, my ears to hear your voice, Father, and your people to hear your voice. Father, let them not hear or receive, oh God, anything from me, Father, but let, Lord God, your spirit communicate to your people tonight. We believe you tonight for increase, Father. We believe you, Father, for a multitude of blessings, Father, in the spirit, Father, that we might be strengthened, that we might be empowered, that we might be emboldened tonight, Father, by your presence. We thank you, Lord God, now for this privilege and this opportunity, and we give you this service, Father. We commend this service over into your hands, Father. We ask, Father, now that in this hour, Father, that you will move through us like you moved through the book of Acts, Father. Oh, God, use us for your purpose. How many want to be used tonight? Use us for your purpose, Lord God. Oh, yes, Lord God. Let your divine will and providence, Father, God, be done in our lives, Lord God. Let us see the miracles, Father, that, God, we're believing you for. Let us see healings, Lord God. Yes, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that we're believing you for. Because, God, if it's in your word, Father, it can be manifested in our lives, oh, God. And we trust you tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. amen. Turn with me to the book of Romans, uh, chapter 8, and we're going to begin reading at verse 29. I'm going to be reading to you from the Amplified Version um, tonight. Uh, so say amen when you have it. If you have your telephone or iPad or something like that, just shine the light at me. I know where you are. Just shine the light. Shine the light. Amen. Romans 8 and 29. Okay. I'm just going to use this scripture as a bridge for what we're going to talk about tonight. We're really not going to get into uh, uh, the depths of this scripture and what it's going to uh, explain to us as I read it to your hearing or as you're reading with me. But we're going to just use this as a bridge to begin to tackle uh, a topic tonight that I think is important. 
And I, I think that the Lord just, just began to lay on my heart um, to prepare for this tonight. Say amen when you have it. Okay, verse 29, it says, For those who he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning, foreordained them to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness, that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he thus foreordained, this is the Amplified Version, whom he thus foreordained, he also, everybody say, called, that, that those whom he called, he also justified, acquitted, made it righteous, putting them into right standing with himself. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, rising them into heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. What then shall we say to all this? If God is for us, everybody say, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe, Amplified says, if God is on our side? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? That's, that's almost a paradox within itself. So, hey man, you may be seated. Um, I, I am going to share in a thought tonight as we begin to look at something, and we're just going to call this divine assignment. Divine assignment. The Bible gives us insight very specific details of men and women who exercise their faith and trust in God that ultimately brought about deliverance. Their faith in God, trust in God, it brought about deliverance. It brought about victories in certain battles against certain nations or all nations. It brought about great healings in their lives, brought about miracles, and it brought about divine visitations all because these individuals were willing to submit to a divine encounter or an assignment. A lot of times, we do not look at the encounters or, or the visitations of God or the things that the Lord has placed on our heart to do as being something that is a perpetual part of our giftings. We don't look at it that way. A lot of times, we look at the things that may may have come upon our heart or may have entered our mind as, as being something of an oddity, so to speak, or being something that, that may have some other influence or come from some other origin. A lot of times we don't, we don't consider the, the placement or the positioning of our lives to be something that God really wants, to be something that God really wants. And, 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 and I, I look at it this way or say it this way, that there's almost like, and I'll say it, like a, a psychoanalytic approach to where God has positioned us. So, so, so in other words, I've got to look deeply and understand and comprehend everything about where I am in order to understand or comprehend the will of God. I've got to look at the atmosphere. I've got to look at the conditions. I've got to look at my finances. I've got to look at my mental state. I've got to look at my marital state, whether my wife and I are getting along or not, whether my kids and I are getting along or not, whether the dog is behaving in the house or not, whether I'm getting along with my job, getting along in school, getting along on the campus. We oftentimes have to psychoanalyze everything about our lives before we determine whether or not it is the will of God. Instead of us understanding that there are some times that God will put us in a position where there is opposition so that his will can be done. I could run around this church on that statement alone right now. 
because in my lifetime in God, and it hasn't been long like, like a lot of us, some of you all have been living for God way longer than I have, but I'll just say this. In my short 25 years of living for God, okay, there have been some positions that God has put, put me in that I question, God, are you for real? Is this, is this where I'm really supposed to be? Is this where I am really supposed to be experiencing right now? After all that I've done, we, we begin, or I've begun, to try to psychoanalyze or break down exactly where I am and how does this rationalize with what I understand to know about God? Because when we, when we, when we think about our relationship with God in, in today's contemporary Christianity, we don't look at our relationship with God or our divine positioning as being something that may contain opposition. We don't look at it as being something that may be confrontational. It may be difficult at times. It may, it may be demanding at times. Well, I would just throw this out here for you right now. Somebody throw out your net and catch it right now. Because sometimes God will put you in a position just to produce more prayer in your lives. Sometimes some of the difficult things that we experience is just to produce more Christ-likeness in our lives. I, I said this to, to a friend of mine. Uh, and after you hear the statement, you know, you may not believe he, him or her was a friend. I'm not going to tell you who they were. But I said this to him. I said, don't you know that God cares more about you being saved than he does about your prosperity? So, so there are some things that God would allow us to experience intentionally that may not be favorably to our flesh or sometimes even detrimental to where we are. Just to produce more Christ-like in our lives. Now, I have to ask you this question, and, 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 and if you know anything about your brother, you, you've been around me for a minute, you know somewhere at the end of this lesson, we're going to end up talking about home Bible studies and soul winning. I'm going to let you know right now, okay? Because there are some instances in our walk and our relationship with God where God will allow us to go through a difficult position just to have us on location where he would have us to be. Let me bring to, to your uh, example, to your, to your memory, uh, one of the characters that we are that is one of the most recognizable characters in the Bible, um, and that is Esther. That is Esther. When we, we look at the life of Esther, we, we focus more upon at times, and this is, you know, we can dialogue about this. We focus more upon time about Mordecai. We focus more upon time about, about Haman, you know, uh, and, you know, all the, all the ins and outs of that entire story, okay? But the Bible tells us in Esther 1, verse 11, verse 12, this is what pre, uh, precluded that, that whole experience. It says in verse 11, it says, to bring Vashti the queen before the king with the, with the crown royal, to show the people and the princess of her beauty, for she was fair to look upon. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment. And her chamberlains, therefore, was, was the king very wroth, and his anger burned, in, burned within him. Now, notice what, what perpetuated or what preceded this, this event. Vestai's refusal to come at the king's beckoning, okay? Another thing that scripture points out to us is the fear, this is what happened, the fear of other women despising their husbands. This is why the king's edict came. Much contempt arising among the Medes and the Persian because of Vestai's position. And the king's decree obtained favor and grace and all to put in position to preserve a nation. This is what happened to Esther. All to put in position to preserve a nation, walking in her divine assignment. Said a whole lot to say this right here. Esther's positioning there in the kingdom, if you look at this, 
Her preparation for her position was over a year long. Six months of spices, six months of, of preparation here and, and another, another time frame here, all to prepare her to be on location for, for the will of God to be done. Now, what ultimately happened there, it, it wasn't the most favorable thing. It wasn't the most comfortable thing. And in fact, it was quite inconvenient. But, but nonetheless, her willingness to submit to the plan of God was with somewhat hesitant, but ultimately it brought about the preservation of a nation because she was willing to walk in her divine, everybody say, assignment. Each, each one of us here tonight, each one of us here tonight, each born-again believer in the kingdom of God has a divine assignment. Every one of us do. Every one of us have a divine assignment. Now, that, this, that assignment may be something that, and, and oftentimes it will, it will be something connected to our passion. It would be something connected to uh, our profession. It would be something certainly connected to our desire to please God our desire and passion or compassion that we have for, for the people of God or our compassion we have for our community or the compassion we may have for a certain area within our community. That, that divine assignment is always connected somewhere and it will be easily identified. However, however, it may be at times hard to understand why I, why I am there if we're not sensitive to the purposes of God. Let's look at another person that was on, on a divine assignment. It's one of the most favorable ones that I, I like talking about because it's easy to talk about. When we talk about Moses, you know, we talk about Moses and we talk about his, his encounter with God through the burning bush. When we talk about Moses, we talk about Moses, uh, his, his time in the wilderness. We, we always refer to his, his time in the wilderness as being a time of transition in which we can, which we can relate to because all of our lives at some point we may have gone through everybody say transition. Now, now, what kind of transition? When you came out of darkness into light, you went through a transition. When you said yes to the Lord, you went through a transition. When you said no to the vices and, 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 and the things of this world, you went through, everybody say, a transition. What, what Moses' transition was probably one that we can, we can easily relate to. Reason being, Moses spent some time in the king's house. Everybody say the king's house. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Hollywood or, or someplace really nice. Some time ago, uh, we spent uh, some time, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was not the Hilton Hawaiian Village, but it was something like that in Orlando, you know. We were on like the 15th floor of this vacation, you know, uh, timeshare we had down there. I mean, the 15th floor, we're looking out. This, this property that we stayed at had like five other hotels, had three swimming pools, had a wave pool, it had a lazy pool, it had restaurants outside, inside, it had a bowling alley, had an arcade, and this is all summer vacation. So you can, you can imagine being indulged in an environment like that for years, and just, just for comparison. I, I don't know, maybe y'all live there now, you know, where you're on the 15th floor, you know, uh, you moved up, you know, to the east side, you know, maybe, maybe that's your, your experience. So this is, is something that you can re relate to. What, what, what just imagine having all those luxuries taken away from you or having to deny yourself all those conveniences for the purpose of God. Imagine that. And, and even some of us may not even have to wrestle with that right now. Some of us understand the importance of denying ourselves certain conveniences for the purpose of God. 
Don't you know that if you allowed yourself to walk in some of the indulgences that you have access to now, you know, don't you know where you would be displaced out of the will of God? It would be impossible for us to understand where God wants us, how God wants us, doing what God wants us to, if we allowed ourselves to be indulged in all of the conveniences. But when we're on assignment, our assignment dictates, dictates to us that we have got to deny ourselves in order for the will of God to be manifested in our lives. In order for us to see people healed and delivered, there's some place we got to deny ourselves. In order to be effective reaching people, ministering to people, there's some place you've got to deny yourselves. In order to be influential and effective in the ministering of the word, there are some things that you've got to deny yourself about and allow the power of God to be manifested in your life. Who? somebody say amen right now, okay? Because, now let me tell you something. In order for us to see the will of God manifested in this hour, you and I have got to believe what God said in his word. You and I have got to trust what God has said in his word. And you and I have got to walk in what God has said in his word in order to see his will manifested in this day and in this hour. We've got to be more than just people talking about the word. We've got to be people living out this word in order for his will to be done and made apparent to everyone that is around us. Glory to God. I believe that sometimes we, we, are, we become so comfortable in being comfortable that we don't know what it's like to inconvenience ourselves so that the will of God can be manifested. My, my, my wife and I had the privilege, and, I, and I'll say this, I, we went down to the military reunion with, with the Enuses there in Indianapolis. Uh, it was a mini vacation for us, but let me tell you something, we had a ball. It was, it was so much fun. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something, we had this conversation coming back. When we saw uh, all that, I mean, I wish they would have recorded it or at least, I don't know, done something to where everybody can actually read uh, your bio, uh, Brother Enos, because um, I, was, I was floored. You think you know a person, you know, and then you're, you're in an environment where people are just really talking about a lot of their accomplishments. You'd be like, man, I thought we was people. He never even told me that, you know, it's just like because the Lord has used them to do so much, you know. And I, I appreciate that. But when we were riding back home, you know, my wife and I were both looking at this and we said, man, you know what? We haven't done anything. We really haven't done anything, you know, because we were looking at what they have achieved and what they have accomplished, not comparing ourselves. just like, wow, you know, we thought we were living for God and, and, and making a difference, you know. But then, it, then we realized that we've got a long ways to go. We've got a long ways to go. And, and I think that sometimes... We've got to understand the importance of inconveniencing ourselves for, for the will of God. Can I just testify to you for a second? Allow me to. Allow me to for, ju for just a second. Um, um, I mentioned this to you before, uh, so it's, it's, it's no mystery. It is no mystery. But when you begin to inconvenience yourself, God will make conveniences for you when you inconvenience yourself. Let me say that again. When you inconvenience yourself, God will make conveniences for you when you inconvenience yourself. What, what, what do I mean by that? This is exactly what I mean by that. There was a time here not too long ago where um, Sister Catrice's uh, dad and I had met Pentecost Sunday uh, early this year, right there at the, right there at the altar uh, in the first couple of pews here. And, and, you know, when we met, you know, I shared the story before. Uh, and the long story made short, we both agreed to a Bible study. And, and I live in Dayton, which is just shortly up the road from here. 
okay, not too far away, maybe five, ten minutes, you know, depending on who behind the wheel, who's behind the wheel, you know. Y'all know it's not five, ten minutes, no matter how you look at it, doesn't matter who's driving, unless you're in a space shuttle, got a time machine or something, it's, it's up the road a minute. Well, you know, we agreed to a Bible study. And as we begin to, to have our Bible study, we would meet here, I think it was on a Tuesday, uh, Tuesday at 11 for our Bible study for several weeks there. And, and, and the result of that, the result of that labor, the result of that, that investment, um, he received the Holy Ghost and he was baptized here at the church in, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Okay? Now, 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 let me say this, let me say this, let me say this. There was nothing convenient about driving back and forth to Dayton every Tuesday. There was nothing convenient about it, okay? But was it prosperous? Was, was the will of God done? Say absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I have to relate this to something that I'm so familiar with, and that's the impact that, that we have as believers when we're walking out what we believe the Word of God has called us to do. Because our, our divine assignment, our assignment as individuals, our assignment as a corporate body is impacting the city. Our, our assignments as individual ministries with, within the church, with whether it's Sunday school, whether it's men's ministry, whether it's, it's children's ministry, whether it's ladies' ministry, it is corporately, collectively uh, impacting the body and impacting the city. But then we have an individual assignment. And that individual assignment is something that God wants us to walk in and trust him on the behalf of his word. So, so what do I mean by that? You know, some time ago, some time ago, uh, maybe about three or four years ago, maybe, maybe a little longer, we had a family uh, that had contacted us that we used to live in New Jersey. Uh, they were Navy. We were Army. If you were ever Navy, you know, I hold nothing against you, you know. Uh, if you were Air Force, I hold nothing against you. I love you regardless, but, you know, everybody knows that the Army is the true representation of the military. Y'all do know that? <laughs> Messing with Brother Enos and those Air Force people, okay? But uh, we had a brother contacted us. His wife actually contacted us and said that, you know, her husband was making an attempt to uh, reconnect to God or connect to God. They live in Columbus. They live in Columbus. So, you know, I said, well, man, I'm, I'm excited. I, I believe that. And, and let me tell you something that, that I feel that would be good for you to understand about yourself. You're anointed. If nobody ever told you that before, let me be the first to tell you that you are anointed. You're anointed for the call of God. You're anointed for the work of God. You're anointed for this day and, and in this hour. You are anointed. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I don't know what you believe about yourself, I mean, you got to say it convincingly. Don't, don't just harmonize with me. Say, I don't know what you believe about yourself, but you are anointed for the purpose of God. Now, now watch the result of this. Watch the result of this. So we started going. This is when we were at the old location. So we started traveling from Dayton to Columbus. You know, it's, it's, it's just about maybe five, ten minutes up the road. Not, not far. Not far at all. You know, it depends on who, who's behind the wheel. But we started going up there teaching them, teaching them Bible study, a Bible study entitled Salvation, Salvation Made Simple. So lesson one we did, which deals with the importance of understanding the word of God, the parable of the sower. See me on the side, I give you the application. You can order it yourself. I'm telling you right now, it's a very effective Bible study. Lesson two is on the spirit. What does it mean to worship God in spirit? The importance of the Holy Ghost. Lesson three is on baptism, the importance of the blood. 
And lesson three is on the truth, who is Jesus Christ. Anyone that's apostolic believers in the house? You all should be able to teach that lesson on the importance of the truth, who is Jesus Christ, okay? So, so we, we, we were doing this. Well, about midways, I say around right after the lesson on, on baptism, her son, family of four, her son wanted to be baptized. He didn't want to be baptized in Columbus. They wanted to drive to Cincinnati, just a little bit down the road from Columbus at the old location. Well, they came down one Sunday. We made arrangements, baptized her son. God filled her son with the Holy Ghost here in Cincinnati, driving from Columbus, right? Filled him with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and started going back up the road, finishing the study. And I, I have to confess to you, Brother Rodriguez, you know, uh, they, they weren't trying to come down to new members' class. So, so we did uh, are ready to be free on Skype. <laughs> we taught ready to be free on Skype. So, so, so here it is, the results of this. Then a, a few weeks after we started ready to be free, then the husband, we made arrangements with some church I've never been to and haven't been, been there since in Columbus, and we baptized him in Jesus' name, okay? So, so here you can see that sometimes inconveniencing yourself, God will make conveniences for you so that you can see his power manifested in the sacrifices that you are making. Come on, somebody, you know? This is what the Lord will do for us. So, so when, when I look at Moses, I look at Moses denying himself. I look at Moses walking away from conveniences. I look at Moses walking away from, from honor, walking away from uh, being in the, in the palace. I, I look at him walking away from, from riches and wealth. I, I, I look at him denying himself, but, but I see him walking in his divine assignment. I see him fulfilling, fulfilling the will of God. Now, even though there was a transition period in his life, and it's something we all recognize because when Moses was on the backside of that desert, let me tell you something. There were some things that was happening to him that, that I feel to mention to this audience right now, to, to several of us that are in here. When we come to this ministry and we come from other churches, other ministry, we begin to go through what is called transition. Every one of us that ever came from another church, from another ministry, we are going through, so, some, somebody say transition. This, this is how transition works for believers here in the house of God. We're not trying to bring what the body was there here. That's not our purpose because everybody say we're in transition. So while we're in transition, there are some things that God has taken away out of us. There are some things that God is removing from us, but then at the same time, there are some things that God is imparting into us. Why? Because now to represent this body for, for this assignment, we have got to fall in line collectively so that his will can be manifest, manifested in our lives from a unified front. So in other words, I'm not trying to sound like the church across town. I'm not trying to sound like the church I came from. I'm not trying to sound like the church I've been to or, or a member of 25 years ago. I'm trying to walk in divine assignment and a new collectively and what God has called us to do here as a body. Can somebody say amen and help me out here tonight? <laughs> Glory to God. So, so Moses had to go through this transition. So there was a stripping process. There was a removing process. There was a mentality that had to be changed. There was a mentality. There was a paradigm shift that had to take place in order for Moses to walk right in the will of God. And even though he was hesitant, let me use myself as an example. I, I said this, and, and I, I said this to, to several people privately, you know. I said, eh, 
I, I said, leaving one state, going to another. Yeah, yeah, you know, this is broadcast, so you got to be very careful. You never know who's going to hear this, and they won't understand what I'm saying. But when I, when I, they won't appreciate what I'm saying. The truth hurts sometimes. But when I, when I left one place going, <laughs> it does. When I left one place going to another, it was, it was important for me to experience the transition that I experienced. Because there were certain philosophies and mindsets and, and perceptions that I had towards ministry and I had towards leadership that had to be stripped. That had to be stripped. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so now, it, it, it wasn't stripped because there was, there was let's say, no truthfulness in it per se. Okay, It was stripped because it did not allow my life to be productive where I am. This is why transition is important. Because in order for us to be productive where we are, there are certain things we've got to walk away from. There are certain things we've got to drop just like it's hot and don't want to pick it back up. There, there are certain things I've got to be willing to lay down so that what? So that my life can be productive where I am right now, amen, and to add value to this body. I can't live with that previous mindset. I can't act like I'm in a palace. I can't act like I have all these entitlements. I've got to walk humble in order for the will of God to be pliable in my life. Oh, help me somebody here tonight. Too many of us walk sometimes with a mindset of entitlement, a mindset like we're privileged, instead of understanding the blessings of humility so that we all can walk together in unity and fulfill the will of God as one body and one purpose. Somebody shout unity. So here it is. This is what Moses had to experience. Moses had to go through this, this transition. He had to go through this removing. He had to go through this stripping. He had to go through this, this paradigm shift. And the Bible tells us this. It says, by faith, Moses, in Hebrews 24, it says, Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, the reason that that is important is because sometimes our transition takes place before we're on location. Sometimes our transition begins to take place before we're on location. So Moses was, was, was still in Egypt. Moses was still in Pharaoh's house. Moses was, was, was still under, under the confines so much of, of bondage. But, but yet and still, there was something, follow me, there was something that was sowed in Moses from his mother, from that environment, that he knew that was more to his life than living with privilege and entitlement in Egypt. Who holler somebody. There is more to our lives than living with privilege and entitlements in Egypt. It's more to our lives than, than, than experiencing some of, the, some of the privilege that we've experienced. It's more to our lives. And, 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 and I was even thinking about this. So let me say it now. And I thank God for Bible quizzing, Sunday school, and all that our children's ministry and everybody that's involved in that that is doing. And this is why, you know, because you have seeded something in that child's life that at some point or another, they're going to realize that the friends that they have secular in the community, I'm more than what they're saying. I'm more than what this environment speaks. Somewhere in their lives, they're going to come to the comprehension that my life is meant to be more than what they're saying. My life is meant to be more than how they're acting. My life is meant to be more than what's in this community. My life is meant to be more than what's in this world. I wish I had some help. My life is meant to be more than everything that the secular environment may be saying to. You may have a child in public school. But because of what you're sowing into them right now, because of what you're sowing into them at home, because of what we're sowing into them in this ministry, that seed is going to grow up in them and it's not going to perish. It's going to come to fruitfulness in due season. And at some point, they're going to recognize and they're going to refuse. Glory to God. 
they're going to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Somebody say amen. You, you ought to be happy tonight. Because even though that teenager is tripping, you ought to be happy because at some point, they're going to refuse to be called Pharaoh's daughter. You ought to be happy tonight that that toddler, that adolescent is tripping right now because at some point, that seed that you sowed into them, it's going to come into fruition and they are going to be the individuals that God said they are to be. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. So he refused. He denied. The Bible says, choosing rather to suffer afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The seeds identified the heritage. The seed identified in his heritage superseded or took precedence over the life of an Egyptian prince. He aided his Hebrew brother vengefully taking a life and he fled and returned to bring great deliverance, great deliverance later. Joseph was, was another person that, that had divine, divine assignment. Y'all know the story of Joseph. We, we all know the story of Joseph. But Joseph's assignment was, was something that you wouldn't expect to experience from your siblings. You would not expect to experience. You know, here it is now, and, and, and I often reflect on something uh, of Joseph's life. But here it is now, you know, you're being used in this unique way. You're experiencing all these, all these wonderful things, you know. You're having dreams, you know, visions. You're seeing all these great things. And, and here it is, that I'm going to help somebody or hurt somebody, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it, okay. Prayfully it helped you, because it helped me. It pays to be where God needs you to be when you need to be there. It pays to do that. Because I believe that Joseph went to his brother. Maybe he was youthful, and he certainly was. Maybe he was inexperienced, and he certainly was. Maybe, maybe he shouldn't have shared what he shared. You know, maybe, I don't know, uh, personal preference, you know. Uh, I, I believe that he was searching, searching for his identity, searching for uh, some sort of uh, guidance, searching for uh, an understanding of these experiences. Can, can you imagine that? Can, can you imagine if you have a sibling? Anybody have a sibling, you know? Raise your hand if you have a sibling. I, I can't see all of y'all. You know, I take my glasses off because I was being blind, but I, I see a lot. Of, raise your hand one more time. I just need to identify those that have siblings, okay? Great. Oh, that's almost, that's almost everybody. Everybody has a sibling. Can you imagine you being a part of your sibling's life and your sibling all of a sudden is talking about all these dreams he's having or she's having? Can, can you imagine that? And they're coming to you, you know? I'm getting ready to make this relatable. It's going to hurt you in a second, but you're going to laugh, okay? He's having all these dreams and having these wonderful experiences, and they're coming to you, and they're telling you about all the great things that the Lord is using them to see and to do. And here it is, you know, you're like, God ain't never used me to do that. God ain't never gave me a dream like that. And this is, this is what Joseph was experiencing. This is what we experience oftentimes in the house of God, you know? I mean, you know, I, I'm not a singer. You know, um, if that Hammond was working right or somebody was on there tonight, you know, just, just piping it out, you know, I would sound respectable, but I'm not a singer. But I love harmonizing. I, I, I love singing. So I would never claim my fame to singing. 
In fact, I will even go back, regress a little bit. We was at the old sanctuary, and, and pastor had me, uh, we were out, pastor was out of town, asked me to teach one Sunday. You know, you just, you have all these, you know, these, these ambitions. You, you feel all this. You're like, man, I'm going to get up there and sing that song like pastor, you know. And that first note didn't come out like pastor. And I said to you all, I said to you all this, remind me not to do that again. You know, I, I, I did say that. But, but when I hear, you know, certain you all that sing here, you know, sing, I'm like, man, boy, I, I, I really wish, I really wish I could. I could bring it out like Brother Brian, you know, and, and sometimes back home, you know, my wife will tell you, and those are in my household right now, they'll tell you, like, man, look, brother, you keep it in the house, you don't take it outside them doors, you know, because we're inspired, because we are, we are inspired, you know, and, and we see all these great giftings and, and the great things that the Lord is doing in these, in these, these individual lives, and it, it moves us a certain way. So if, 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 if I haven't experienced this, and let's say a sibling came to me, you know, and, and was experiencing all these great things, then I'm, I'm going to be a little bit moved the wrong way because I, I'm not experiencing this. Because I'm not where God needs me. Not, not my gifting. It's not my gifting. But I'm not where God needs me to be to impart into their lives, to speak into the lives, to encourage. This is why it's so important that we're always on location and we're walking in our divine. I'd rather be where God wants me to be and, and at any point in period of time, be somewhere I, I, I should not be, spiritually speaking and physically speaking. I'd rather be on location. I'd rather be prayed up and, and, and not have anybody need anything than to be not prayed up and have one person need one thing, and I can't give it to them. This is what it was like being Joseph's brothers. I, I'm having all these great experiences. I'm, I'm having all these, these impulses, I'm having all these dreams, and, and, and they are from God. They, they're certainly from God, but, but yet and still, nobody's able to provide me guidance. You won't find it in any commentary, I promise you this. If you do, let me know, because I haven't found it. But I believe Joseph was, was immature, but I believe Joseph wanted something from his brother. You know, that, that, that would be like, like, like a, a, a babe in Christ uh, uh, coming up to any one of our elders or, or ministers and, and, and asking, can you explain Acts 2.38 to me? And, and we not being able to explain Acts 2.38. Is that too simple? Is that, is that too transparent? Or, or that would be like, be like uh, uh, a new convert or, or a young person in Christ uh, coming up to us and asking us, you know, uh, can you tell me why the Bible shows us and y'all keep saying that, that Jesus is God? And, and, and we as elders and ministers and believers in the house of God not being able to explain that. Do you, do you follow me? You know, that, that would be like, ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to get myself in trouble. That would be like somebody coming up to us and, and telling us why is it that the majority of Christianity baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost when it's in the Bible, but in the book of Acts, they only baptize in Jesus' name. Can, can you explain that to me? And we not being able to explain that. That, that's almost comparable to that experience because I'm searching for something. Everything in me is desiring to understand what God is doing in my life. Everything inside of me is desiring to comprehend what is it I'm to do next. Where am I to grow? How am I to complement what God is doing in our lives and in this ministry? That, that's almost comparable. So this is what his experience was like. He's having his dream. He's having these wonderful experiences. He's, he's having all these, all these things happen in his life, but yet and still his brothers cannot lend themselves to help him in the right direction. And, and, and the Bible tells us in spite of all that, they hated him for his words and for his dreams. 
Who? Can, 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 can you love on a brother for a minute? Can, can you encourage a sister for a minute? When it's not your dream, when it's not your vision, but it's theirs and it's a God-driven dream, a God-driven vision? Can, can you love on them? When they say that I believe that God is calling, calling me to this nonprofit and they lay this thing out to you and they're showing you this plan, they're giving you this blueprint, giving you this business plan, you know, can, can you love on them and say, man, let me know what I can help you, how I can help you to get this thing going forward. Can you love on your brother or your sister just that way so that we can see the will of God manifest? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. We are going to see as a people in this congregation, we're going to see more people touched, glory to God, in these upcoming years than we have ever seen in all of our lives. There are people that are, begun, that are going to be visiting from other ministries, other, other, other organizations. Hear me now. I'm prophesying to you right now because people are recognizing the authenticity of the Spirit of God in this house. They're recognizing the genuineness of the Word of God as it's being taught and as it's being preached. Come on, somebody. So, so as we're experiencing this, there are people that are going to come to this congregation and are not going to look like us, not going to talk like us, but love Jesus just like we love Jesus. They're not going to sound like us, but they're going to love Jesus just like we love Jesus. Can we love them? Can you love the way that Jesus loved? So, so, so here it is, Joseph. <laughs> here it is, Joseph, with all these experiences, all these visions, all these ambitions, all, all, all these dreams. And, and yet and still, it was his divine, divine assignment. It was God's purpose and God used when he was placed in that pit. Whew. I could talk to you about a pit experience right now. And you can talk to me about a pit experience right now. It is that easy. When that baby was sick and, and, and you didn't know why that baby was sick, had to be hospitalized, pit experience. When you lost your job, didn't know why you lost your job, pit experience. But through all those experiences, each step of the way, God just began to reposition you, elevate you, bring you into favor, provisions for your life that you didn't expect yourself. Pit experience. Here it is now. He went from, from the pit experience to the potter experience. You know what that's like. Oh, my goodness. I could, I, I'm hurt by thinking about it, you know. When all of a sudden somebody said you said something you ain't say, can, can I be transparent? Once again, I was somewhere, one location, somewhere on this planet not too long ago. <laughs> I'm in this one location. I just happened to be visiting Christmas vacation at another location. Got back to, to one location. I tell you, it went, went from Texas to New Jersey. And then all of a sudden somebody called and saying, and saying, saying to, to my pastor, right there. Did you know that Brother Colbert was down here and he said this and I'm fellowshipping with some believers and we're just having a casual conversation and I'm telling them of the good things that the Lord is doing where we were and, and all of a sudden you know they, they misrepresented what I said went back to their pastor, told their pastor that Brother Colbert from this one location said this their pastor got so irate with what I supposedly said that was misinterpreted called my pastor back at another location where I was located at at the time and then all of a sudden I'm on the carpet because somebody misrepresented what I said, misinterpreted what I said and I got to give an answer for something that I didn't say that was misinterpreted. Anybody ever had an experience like that? That's what you call a potted experience. And you got to answer, answer for it. Well, I, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something, being truthful. Don't think that Joseph didn't have to. One, one thing that, that the Bible does tell us about Joseph's experience, okay, 
that, that he did not sin against God. The Bible does tell us that. But one of the things that the scripture does not highlight in Joseph's, Joseph's entire experience, it doesn't highlight Joseph's devotion in terms of his prayer. You, you won't find where, where he went before God. But I want you to know something. There, there was something in Joseph's life that was constantly before God. When he was pitted, oh, yes, he was, he was before God. When he was in the Potiphar's house, you better believe he was before God. When he was in prison, he was definitely before God. Two years later, he was still before God. He was still before God. But his assignment had not come into fruition just yet. Where he was destined to be, the location where he was destined to be had not came into fruition just yet. Some of us here today are struggling right now with an experience. We're struggling right now in a position. We're fighting right now against God's divine order for our lives. Just hang on because when it's everything is said and done, you're going to be on location fulfilling the will of God. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Don't, don't, get, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't, don't, don't get so impatient where you start to move yourself outside of where God would have you. Don't get impatient. Just remain on location and be patient, trusting God, but you have to be before God. You have to be before God. You know, ultimately, this is where, where he ended up. I'm reading a book, I read a book, and I actually grabbed this from this book because one of the, one of the people that we will talk about is having a divine assignment. Uh, and we may not look at it that way, but the 12 apostles, each one of them had a divine assignment. In the book, 12 Ordinary Men, John MacArthur uh, stated this, and I want to read this to you. Uh, he stated this. He said, Jesus became temporarily popular among the people of a larger Galilee region. As word of his miracles began to circulate throughout the district, massive hordes of people came out to see him and to hear him speak. Luke 5 and 1 records how the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. One day the crowd, the crowds were uh, so thick and so aggressive that he got into a boat and he pushed offshore far enough to get away from, from the press of the people. And he talked to multitudes from there. Some might imagine that if Christ wanted his message to have maximum impact, he could have played, played off his popularity more effectively Modern conventional wisdom would suggest that Jesus ought to have done everything possible to exploit his fame, tone down the controversies that arose from his teaching, and employ whatever strategy he could use to maximize the crowds around him. See, that's what we, we would have done. You know, that's our mindset when it comes to that. That's how we market Christianity. Help us, God. But he did not do that. In fact, this is what MacArthur is saying. In fact, he did precisely the opposite. Instead of taking the populist route and exploiting his fame, he began to emphasize the very things that made his message so controversial. At about the time the crowds were rich, had reached their peak, he preached a message uh, so boldly, confrontive, and so offensive in its content that the multitudes melted away, melted away, leaving only the most devoted few in John chapter 6, 66 and 67. Among those who stayed with Christ were, everybody say, the twelve the 12, whom he had personally selected and appointed to represent him. They were 12 perfectly ordinary, unexceptional men. They were 12 perfectly ordinary, unexceptional men. But Christ's strategy for advancing his kingdom hinged on 12 men rather than on the clamoring multitudes. He chose to work through instrumentally 
of those few fallible individuals rather than advance his agenda through a mob force, military might, personal popularity, or public relations campaign for a human from a human perspective, the future of the church and his long-term success of the gospel depended entirely upon the faithfulness of, that hand, of, of those handful of disciples. There was no plan B if they failed. I can shout right now. Let me tell you something. That connects and relates so much to us as believers is not even funny. Twelve men, twelve men were trusted and empowered. The Lord didn't come back at any one point in period of time through our biblical history or history as you and I know it to correct something that the apostles did not get done. He did not come back to realign the church in any aspect other than what the apostles were preaching and teaching. He trusted those that he imparted into. He empowered those that he imparted into. And I want you to understand this. He believed in those that he imparted into. Just like you and I that are here today, right now, under the sound of my voice, every last one of us have been imparted into. Every last one of us have been empowered. Every last one of us here today, please hear me, please hear me. Every last one of us there, I want you to know God believes in us because his presence lives in our lives. And God believes that his will is going to be done in our lives in this hour. Hear me today. God did not allow you to be born in the 60s. You couldn't handle it. God did not allow you to be born in another country. You could not have handled it. God did not allow you to be born to another family. You could not have handled it. But where we are right now as a body of believers, as individuals, God allowed us to be born in this age and this hour right now because God needed us up on earth. Why? Because he imparted into us. He empowered in our lives, and God believes that we are the individuals that are going to fulfill his will in these upcoming years prior to his return. Somebody ought to shout right now. Let me tell you why you ought to shout right now. Because God, who hear me. God has sovereignly selected everywhere, every last one of us that are here tonight. God chose you. God chose me. Sovereignly selected us from the foundations of the world to be on the planet right now, right here at this time. For what? So that his will can be manifested through our lives. That is our divine assignment. This is why it's so important that we don't compare ourselves, we don't judge ourselves, but we love on one another, we encourage one another, we edify one another, we build up one another, we believe in one another. If, if I'm going wrong, who? If I'm going wrong, love me enough to correct me. If, if I'm in the wrong direction, love me enough to redirect my steps. Love on me the right way. Come on, somebody, you know? Too often we love irresponsibly. We see somebody going the wrong way and then some, you know, we just expect everybody to accept it. No, love me the right way. Come on, if loving me is wrong, please be wrong. I know it's said say it, sung the other way, but you know what I'm saying, you know? Love me the right way because I want to be one of those individuals, as you are also, that's going to have an impact in this last day. Do you believe that you are one? Amen. Amen. Stand with me right now. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. As we are closing, it's a powerful scripture that, that we all understand, and we, we quote it a lot, we read it a lot, we state it a lot. Zechariah 4 and 6, he says, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith, saith the Lord. 
as we're yielding and as we're surrendering to God, let me tell you something. I want to do everything within my power under the leadership and guidance of our pastor to help us fulfill our assignment. My, 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 I don't want to even say my claim to fame, but my sole responsibility to us as a body is in the home Bible study ministry. And, and as we are growing and as the home Bible study ministry grows, let me tell you something. There are going to be you all that are out here right now, right now. I speak home Bible study teacher over every last one of y'all. I prophesy these are some of the best home Bible study teachers, Father, in the land. These are some of the greatest people that are going to impact your world, Father, right now. I speak that right now over every last one of us. We have a divine assignment that's connected to our divine purpose. Oh, yes, it is, it is reaching a loss. It is reaching a loss. But I, I want to say this. You've got to put yourself in a position where you're pliable for the will of God or to the will of God. You, you have to put yourself in a position, you know. I, 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 I heard it said this way, and I am, I'm, I'm going to restate it, you know, in my way. People say that, you know, God's a gentleman. God's not going to force himself upon you. You know, I, I kind of believe that in a sense. But I kind of read, you know, where, where, where and, and Pastor, Pastor mentioned this, where, where Jesus kind of got upset. They were doing the wrong thing, and he went to flipping tables, beating people down. Did, did y'all read that in the Word of God? I'm, am I in a book? Am I in a book? You sure I'm in a book, right? Because he got irate. He got upset, you know. I, 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 re, I remember reading, you know, where, where Jonah was told to go to Nineveh, the preaching to them. He boarded a ship to Tarshish, right? God sent a storm. Isn't that what happened? God sent a storm. They encouraged everybody to preach as God knows. I mean, Jonah said, I'd rather throw me overboard. I'd rather die than go to Nineveh. Man, it, it didn't happen like that, you know? So, you know, can I say this? God cares more about us being saved, and he believes his will could be manifested through our lives. That, that if we won't love each other the right way, you have a daddy that will chastise you to get you right back where you need to be. He will do that. You know why? Because he loves you like that. He loves you like that. And I thank God for that kind of love. I, I, I really do. I, I really thank God for that kind of love because it's a love that won't leave me lost. It's a love that won't leave me in the gutter because he will come to the gutter and get me. It's a love that won't leave me out there. He will come out there and he will get me. And he will bring me back into the fold. He will bring me back unto his own. Amen. Every one of us, every one of us has that divine assignment. We have that assignment, that assignment that God has tapped our lives to fulfill. Whatever it is, wherever it is, I don't know. I don't know. But I promise you, somewhere along the line in our walk with God, if we are not impacting people, we should ask ourselves, am I on the right location? Amen. Is my heart in the right place? Is my prayer life where it needs to be? If I'm not impacting somebody, if I'm not impacting somebody, if I'm not leading somebody to Christ, if not, I'm not edifying somebody, I ought to be asking myself this question. God, am I where you want me to be? Jesus, Jesus. Ooh, close your eyes right now for just a moment. Hallelujah. Because I believe that there are things that the Lord has laid upon our hearts. God has touched our hearts with. I believe that. I want you right now to ask the Lord, not me, not the person next to you, Ask the Lord this question. Every head bow, every eye close. God, am I where you want me to be? And am I doing what you would have me to do?
Oh, yeah, he'll, he'll answer you. He'll answer you. It may be something you need to hear. It may be something you don't want to hear, but he will answer you. I'm believing it right now. Lift your hands as we're praying right now. Ask the Lord the question. Ask the Lord the question. Ask the Lord the question. Because there, there are thousands. There are thousands that are going to be impacted by the truth of the word of God. There are thousands that are going to be impacted by our sacrifice and our willingness to serve God. There are thousands that, that eternal destiny is going to be changed for thousands because of our willingness to sacrifice, our willingness to be on location, and our willingness to give God our very best. Lift your hands all over the house once again in the name Hallelujah. of Jesus. Father, I thank you for your great people. I thank you for Hallelujah. the city of Cincinnati. I thank you for our leadership, our pastor, Father. But I thank you, Lord God, for that divine assignment. I thank you, Father, for calling us to this place, Father. Calling us, Father, to the kingdom for such a time as this. I thank you, Lord God, for giving us a heart to serve, Father. I thank you for the anointing that is upon our lives. I thank you, Father, for the Thanksgiving baskets, Father, that, that we're giving to our community, the blessings that they're going to receive. Because, Father, we're anointed. And those Thanksgiving baskets are anointed, Father. And these families are going to experience your presence, Father, because of our willingness to serve you in sacrifice. I thank you now, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. Lay hands on the brother or sister next to you right now. And I want you guys to begin to bless and encourage them. Jesus. God, let my brother be used, Father. Let my sister be used. Let my husband be used. Let my wife be used, Father. Let our family be used. Let our family serve your purpose, Father. Let us, Lord God, be where you would have us to be, Father. Let our words, Father, be the words that you would have us to say, Lord God. Yes, Lord God. Let our prayers, Father, be the prayers, Father, that tear down strongholds, Father. Break down walls, Father. Oh, God, take authority over dominions. Let our prayers be used, oh, God. God, to bring deliverances about in our city. Let, Lord God, our intercessors are crying out to you, are calling upon your name, Father. Let it be used, oh, God, to, to permeate the darkness, Father. Let it be used, oh, God, to, to break down strongholds. Let it be used, oh, God to heal families. Let it be used, oh God, to restore lost loved ones, Father. Let it be used for your glory. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. For it's where you've called us to. It's where you've called us to. And it's your hand that is upon our lives, oh God, for your glory. It is your hand that is upon our lives. Use my brothers, Father. Use my sisters, oh God. Yes, Lord God. Let them see their calling. Let them, let them see their assignment. Let them see, Lord God, the anointing that you place upon their lives. Let them believe in themselves, Lord God. Let them trust in your power, Lord God, as they surrender to you for your purpose, oh God. For your purpose, God, and for your glory. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Hallelujah. We believe you, Jesus. We believe you, Jesus. We believe you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will bless our pastor in his absence, Father, as he ministers your word. Bless Father's family. First Lady, Father, bless her, Lord God. Touch Father, their daughters, Father, in the name of Jesus. The anointing that you have upon him, Father, I thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it. And we ask now, Lord God, that this city, Father, would hear, oh God, your words through your servant and lives will be changed, Father. Eternal destiny, Lord God, of thousands, Father, will come to know you, Father, because of your hand upon this ministry, upon this church, upon our pastor, upon our leadership. Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, right now for every ministry here, everyone serving, 
And we believe you, God, for increase. Say that with me. We believe you, God, for increase. We believe, Lord. We believe you, God, for increase. And everyone said in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.